Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It's week 12, it's part two, and we are ready to discuss the late slate for this week's games. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And before we go any further, let me go ahead and introduce the experts on the show, the guys that know what they're talking about. Of course, on the right side of the screen, we always start on the right side on Wednesdays, we've got Kyle Hunter at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. He's our award-winning professional handicapper. Kyle? Uh, incredible ball game in action last night with Bowling Green and Toledo. Didn't do uh, great for the, you know, the regular season win total for Toledo. But man, this is what weeknight football is all about. This is what we expect when we see action, right? Insane stuff. Uh, yeah, I wasn't thrilled at the result based on my season win total, but uh, Toledo. How about that tackling on the last play? I mean, just an atrocious tackling. You see the the image of like six guys surrounding the car- ball carrier at the 15 yard line. You say this this was a touchdown. Uh, just a crazy game there for sure. I know Daquan Finn was out, but Daquan Finn doesn't play defense. Giving up 42 points to Bowling Green is not great. No, it is definitely not. Uh, Scott Leffler never been known for being an explosive offense kind of guy. Exactly. Uh, but last night. Last night, they certainly had it. I love the snow games, all that kind of stuff that goes on, especially in these Maxion games. A lot of fun there. On the left side of the screen, of course, Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. He is the numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru. He's our uh, analyst, if you will. Parker, how are you feeling? Did you uh, did you get to watch all that Maxion last night? Um, I did. I was I was dialed in more on Ball State and Ohio. Um, and uh, Carson Steele went out. Nathan Rourke went out. Man, it was like the walking wounded there. And I thought Ball State had a thought Ball State had a chance there at the end, but they threw a pick and uh, and it went away. So fun fun game overnight or a uh, fun night overall rather. And uh, yeah, again, love that love that midweek football. Even if I'm not doing anything more than pizza money on it. Most certainly, I I agree with you on that. I will tell you, uh, it was a lot more fun just watching games as opposed to having to flip over to where uh, basketball was being played and and they were trying to give us some kind of ranking. Uh, Not too concerned with the rankings right now. (laughs) We'll figure that out in just a little bit. So, uh, yeah, here in a couple of weeks, then we'll worry about rankings and we'll see where everybody goes. But last night, there was actual live football on, just like there will be tonight. We'll talk about Maxion. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about the questions there. We're going to hit it at the very beginning of the Q&A. So that'll be tonight's game. So we're going to discuss all three of them as we get into the questions and answers. If you would like to be involved in the Q&A, you can jump into the chat here, toss your questions in there, but you have to be subscribed to the channel to be able to get into the chat there. So make sure that you are subscribed. Hit that notification bell. Of course, it's going to let you know when we go live. That's every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I will tell you, though, next week, only one show. We're doing a longer one on Tuesday. So I hope you guys are prepared for that. It is Thanksgiving week, and uh, and we do have a crew here that would like to be able to spend some time with their families. So we, we can totally understand it. Uh, we are going to do a longer show next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Same time as usual on Tuesday, but make sure you are here for that one. We are going to hit a lot of games. A lot of games for Rivalry Week. Let's go ahead and dive into our recap of what we have done thus far on the season. So far, I am sitting at 40 wins, 29 losses, and 3 pushes. So, not not awful. Uh, Kyle, 25, 21, and 0. And Parker, 33, 35, and 1. On the season, 98, 85, and 4. That is 53.55% against the number. We're we're slowing down, but I think it's time for us to rebound a little bit. We've had a couple of off weeks. I feel that there is value in the spreads this week. 
there there's value in the numbers. So we're going to talk about those. Uh, let me go ahead and tell you about the podcast. Of course, the Bet US Football Show. Make sure that you are subscribed on whatever your favorite podcast app is, and if you would so kindly leave a nice five star review, that certainly helps us out as far as the podcast algorithm stuff. And of course, with this one, jump into the chat, jump into the comments. We want to know what your picks are for each and every week. Uh, what games do you see value in? That's what we want to know. So toss those in there. Uh, we would love to hear from everybody. All right, let's go ahead and do this. Let's get to the first game on the docket here, and this one is a fun one. And no, the records don't necessarily show you that this is something that you should pay attention to, but these are the kind of games where, one, you can find value, and two, uh, where you never know what's going to happen, right? Louisiana Tech heads to Charlotte. And, of course, the Bulldogs are a three-point road favorite. The total sits at 65. Props to Charlotte. Uh, congrats to Biff Pogi. That's right, the new head coach at Charlotte. He has officially been hired. He was uh, kind of the, the right-hand man for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. He is a football guy through and through, uh, known in many circles as uh, uh, just a high school football wizard. Uh, the guy knows what he's talking about. This was a fantastic hire by them. No, he will not be on the sidelines this week. But Charlotte uh, has found a little bit of life after Will Healy was let go from the program. Last year, Louisiana Tech won this game 42-32. to This is only their second meeting ever. Uh, Parker, I'm going to start with you on this. Charlotte, number 23 in offensive success rate. They're number 17 in rushing success rate over the last five weeks. They've been really good at running the football, and yet they only run it 42% of the time over the last five weeks. The defense, uh, yeah, the numbers will tell you that they are actually number 99 in PPA per drive, but that's actually improved overall from where they were at the beginning of the season. The defense beginning to show at least some kind of improvement here. Uh, what, what do you see between these two? I see a lot of points, Gary. I see <laughs> two offenses that are just competent at best and two defenses that might not even be on the field. It might just be seven-on-seven seven, uh, offenses running drills, pass, passing against air here. I have Charlotte as the 66th defense in the group of five, Louisiana Tech as the 63rd. On the flip side, Charlotte's offense, 16th overall um, out of group of five teams, and Louisiana Tech is 41st. So, um not good on the defensive side of things, but pretty good on the offensive side of things. Both teams have just been so apocalyptically bad um, against the rush on defense. Charlotte's rush is 125th uh, in EPA per play allowed on defense. Louisiana Tech is 122nd. Both teams are rushing much more than average. Charlotte, uh, Charlotte 9.3% um, rushing less than average, excuse me, 9.3 percentage points lower than the average team. Louisiana Tech, 5.4. These are teams that want to sling the ball. They want to spread it out. They only want to run when they have to. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of both of these units have theoretically better passing defenses than they do rushing defenses, but a lot of that is just they haven't been tested as much, especially Louisiana Tech, a really big split. 47th in pass defense, but 122nd in rush defense. Why would you ever pass against them if you can just rush against them? And that's kind of what teams have done here. So I think we'll see a lot of points here. I think we'll see some fun explosive plays. This game could get pretty muddy uh, pretty pretty quickly. Um, I have Charlotte just barely covering in this. Uh, I think this is a good line. I'm at like two and a half here. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, the, the, the total I have is over 70. I expect all kinds of points happening here between two teams who, um, are in similar stages, you know, Louisiana tech kind of in their first year, uh, under, under Sunny Cumbie and, um, 
Charlotte with a new coach and kind of getting, you know, what what are we figuring out what we have here for building forward? So I think in the motivation factor, both of these teams are, are kind of in the mad scientist phase of experimenting. Most certainly. Uh, I as well have this total into the 70s, but... Kyle, you know, we're going to move over to you. Landry Liddy is going to start at quarterback for Louisiana Tech. Uh, they've got a couple of uh, couple of injuries at that position, of course. They, he is the one that started in the 42-34 to overtime loss to Florida International. So, uh, obviously, there are questions here. Louisiana Tech doesn't get the same. They're not the punchline of the joke the way that Charlotte has, uh, has been for most of this year. Uh, but they have been bad. I mean, they are 3-7. and seven. The defense the last five weeks, as Parker talked about, number 117 in PPA per drive. Uh, they're not great. As far as the fundamentals go, giveaways per game, Louisiana Tech number 128, Charlotte number 121. They both give the ball away just a ton. Penalties per game, Louisiana Tech number 108, Charlotte number 79. As long as Chris Reynolds plays quarterback for Charlotte, uh, I expect a ton of points, a ton of big plays, and, I mean, if he's playing, Charlotte could really hit this over by themselves. I I think this could get really, really pointsy. Uh, What do you see in this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing the things the same way. I, the Charlotte defense has made every opposing offense look really good this year. Seven of their opponents have scored more than 40 points. Um, MTSU didn't look very good against them last game, but MTSU is playing without their starting quarterback. I saw that their play calling was pretty conservative. Uh, Charlotte's defense giving up 7.25 yards per play this year, just insanely bad. 37 plays allowed of 30 yards or more, nine plays of 50 yards or more allowed. Um, they're really bad against the run and dreadful against the pass. I mean, they just have no strength on defense at all. Um, certainly unknowns about the LaTeX quarterback situation. I do think, though, they have enough athletes uh, that regardless of the quarterback, they should have some pretty good success in this offensive scheme, and they will play quickly. Um, LaTeX's defense isn't quite as bad as Charlotte, but it, it's not that much better. 120th in the country in yards per play allowed. Chris Reynolds is a pretty decent quarterback for Charlotte. 49ers have had some spots where they look good on offense this year. 56 points against Rice, 42 against Georgia State. I think they're capable as well. I feel like this is a game where there's blow-up potential for both offenses. It wouldn't be surprising if a team scored 49 points or something like that. And this, So a total of 65 is set pretty high, but I think it's high for a good reason. Uh, you give me a high total like this, I like to look at a spot where Both teams have capability of scoring a bunch of points, and I think that's the case here in this one. So I will take the over. I am with you. I think that it's in the 65s or 65 range uh, as far as the total because of Landry Liddy starting here. If Parker McNeil were starting, I think this would be closer to about 72, 73. Uh, However, you know, Liddy, uh, there's still questions here, right? There's just questions. So that is the way that it goes. Uh, Let me go ahead and get everybody to like the video. I, I forgot to tell you to do that. And man, is it important. It helps out the algorithm stuff. Click the thumbs up button for us. Right there. Looks just like that, as you see on the screen. Um, But yes, helps out a ton. That's why we ask you to do it each and every time out. So go ahead and hit that like button for us. We will make it official, by the way. Kyle is going to take the over. Uh, I am probably going to ride pizza money with you on this. Definitely going to do that. Uh, Moving on. We're moving to the AAC. It's time to jump into uh, what I think is a, a very fun kind of rivalry situation here. Cincinnati heads to Temple, and since he is now a 17-point favorite, the total sits at 50-and-a-half. This opened at 18 uh, at BetUS and has been bet down. 
Uh, it opened, you know, I think 20 consensus on like early on Sunday. Um, this one's at Lincoln Financial in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. These, of course, are the latest lines at BetUS. It's 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU. Since he won the matchup last year, 52-3, to but that is a completely different Temple team than what you've got this year. They've got a brand-new coach, Stan Drayton, of course, the uh, the former running backs coach at Texas. Uh, Temple, 4-2 and two straight up, 5-1 uh, and one against the spread against Cincinnati since 2015. Cincy, this year, 0-3-1 against the spread on the road. Temple, 5-0 and oh against the spread at home. Temple has not punted the last two weeks. Uh, we we had somebody you know tag us on uh, Twitter. Kyle, me and you uh, had that. Kyle, we're going to open with you on this. I I didn't realize that they had not even punted uh, when I was going back through you know box scores and play by play and whatnot. But man, uh, these their offense has absolutely been rolling here lately. Um, in the last five weeks with EJ Warner at quarterback, Temple is number nineteen in PPA per pass, number twenty five in passing down success rate. And they are passing the ball 63-plus percent of the time. Uh, the offense is number 29 uh, PPA per drive. But, man, that defense uh, leaves a lot to be desired, I will say. Number 124 in uh, PPA per drive the last five weeks. Kyle, between these two, you know, obviously you've seen the success that Temple has had against Cincinnati. Uh, what, what do you think this is attributed to? What do you see in this ballgame? Yeah, I think that stat was pretty fantastic about two games in a row with no punting. Um, I guess he he came back and said that it was the first time since 1927, which doesn't make the stat any less impressive to me than than all time, to be honest. So uh, pretty neat. Um, EJ Warner quietly putting up some really good games the last couple games. Honestly, I really like seeing Warner have success. Kurt Warner was fun. Uh, EJ Warner having success temple really needed to pick me up this program's been in a really bad shape here of late um guys if you look at cincinnati they played six games in the aac so far all six have been decided by 10 points or less um bearcats are a good team they're not a dominant team cincinnati has fumbled the ball 15 times this year only lost four of those so some pretty good fumble luck. They have 72.8 uh, penalty yards per game so far this year. Temple just 40.4. So Cincinnati's capable of uh, slowing themselves down sometimes. Not that many people would have guessed. I certainly wouldn't have. That Temple is first in the nation in sack margin at plus 23. Uh, pretty shocking. Uh, they definitely get after it as far as uh, uh, sack-wise. They, they should get some pressure here on Cincinnati. The Cincinnati offensive line is good but not amazing. Not that high of a total. Cincinnati's kind of gotten in their own way several times. Uh, pretty strong lean to Temple for me. I think Temple can hang around in this game. Now, do I think Temple can win this game? I don't think they can win this game, but you're giving me a lot of points. I know this one got up to 18 and a half at one point, back down to 17 here now. Uh, I think that's probably the right side. I know the, the weather report is questionable for this one too, so keep an eye on that to see if there could be some weather added in, but um, I think getting the plus points here on Temple is is the right side. I I very much agree with you on this. Uh, I I mean I'll go on and tell you I'll make it official, but I'm going to give you my uh, the reasons why in a little bit once we talk to Parker about this. Uh, I did take Temple at plus eighteen and a half. I still do like it at seventeen. Uh, but as you mentioned, Cincinnati is weird. They're not exactly dominant this year. They haven't beaten a single AAC team by more than ten points. Ben Bryant at number forty six in QBR. 
but he is number 89 in quarterback grade at PFF right now. It's right above DJ Uyangalele, by the way. Uh, the run game has just been awful for Cincinnati. Uh, over the last five weeks, number 122 in PPA per rush, number 128 in rushing success rate. They haven't been able to get that side figured out on offense. Uh, Parker, you know, as far as turnover margin, et cetera, like, there's no distinct advantage as far as turnover margin. Uh, penalties per game, Temple is number 35. Cincy is number 123. They've kind of cleaned it up in the last couple of games, just a touch, because they were dead last in FBS uh, for quite a while to open the season. Uh, but they're now number 123 in that spot. Uh, Temple's offense is number 48 in points per scoring opportunity. Cincinnati's defense is number 83. Uh, it's This is just going to be... Uh, it, I guess, barring weather, this is going to be kind of an issue maybe for Cincinnati here. What what do you see in this, Parker? I think what we're seeing from Cincinnati is just that they don't have the athletes that have the upside that they did last year. Like, I know that's a dumb thing to say out loud because they lost, what, like six NFL guys or something crazy? Nine. And they, nine, nine draft picks. Nine, even crazier. <laughs> and so you just don't have these guys that can separate. I think that's been Cincinnati's problem all season. When you look at them – um, they, they really just, there have been moments where they can, they're supposed to separate and they just can't do it. They could have beaten this Arkansas team very easily. They had the opportunities and they just couldn't connect on the big plays to make it happen. Um, and so that, that doesn't say, you know, I'm, I'm not making any, um, I'm not having making a referendum on, on Cincinnati and saying, oh, they're not going to be good again. But like development cycles matter. And Cincinnati this year is a good example of it. They have good guys on the roster. They're just not there yet. There's not the upside guys yet. Um, on, on, on the flip side, I feel like Temple is kind of the inverse of that. Let's throw two data, data points out. Let's throw out the 70 to 13 loss to UCF. Let's throw out the 54 to 28 win against USF, right? The rest of these games um, against, you know, teams in their, uh, in their echelon, Temple has been kind of annoying. Like the worst loss besides that is 24 to three versus Memphis, but they're, you know, within, within two scores of Tulsa, they're overtime against Navy. They're within a score of Houston, within a score of Rutgers, um, beat UMass 28 zero. They, they really have been in a lot of these games. I don't think they're as terrible as we thought. I, I, I will say also that um, from a betting standpoint, Temple's defense early this season is a good reason why you need to have preseason priors in your models because there were some opponent-adjusted stats about Temple's defense that were making claims that um, that were writing checks that I don't think Temple's defense could actually cash <laughs> this season. And so it's good to have an idea of what do we expect from these teams, and then let's incorporate this season data. Um, I am interested in Cincinnati's run game, whether they can get going. Huge, huge, huge split for Temple's defense. 31st in EPA per pass, 98th in EPA per rush here. Uh, Cincinnati is 90th in EPA per rush. They're passing a lot more than the average team, 27th in rush rate ever expected. Can Cincinnati get the run game going against a bad run defense? Um, and can Ben Bryant connect on these downfield passes? Ben Bryant uh, has thrown 61 passes, 20 plus yards downfield. He's only connected on 18 of those. That's 29.5%. Um, and it's not that these guys aren't open. Um, it's it's that he can't get the ball there and the receivers can't come down with it. And they've had eight drops as well, which is a drop rate of um, uh, almost 20% on those balls there. So really, really bad kind of downfield game. I wonder if Temple's kind of rushing, uh, uh, lack of rushing defense here will give Cincinnati the opportunity to create some stability on offense and then maybe connect on those big plays that they've been struggling to get consistently. Um, I like Temple being pretty annoying. Um, this is a lot of points for for an offense that is, you know, for a Cincinnati offense that has shown that they really are not interested in separating um, against against bad teams. I think, I think Temple could hang around um, especially early, early on. 
Yeah, I am. I am definitely going with Temple here. That is an official play for me, uh, and one of the big reasons, aside from the numbers that we have, of course, spouted out here, uh, this is maybe a bit of a look-ahead spot for Cincinnati. Uh, they have to play Tulane next week, and the winner of that game is going to be in the AAC title game. The loser could be out. So Cincinnati is not worried about running up a score here. They're not worried about anything like that. Uh, I. I think the Temple has a shot to stay in this game. Uh, if things go incredibly well, I think they could win the game outright. Now, I'm not telling you to go bet money line on Temple here, but what I'm saying is 17 points feels like it's going to be way too much at home for a team that is going to be playing basically their Super Bowl this season. Uh, how fun would it be for Stan Drayton uh, to get a nice big win at home in November against a ranked Cincinnati team, which, according to those rankings that came out last night, this is the number 25 team in the country. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> so, so yes, give me Temple plus 17 here. I liked it better at 18 and a half. I will still take it at 17. Uh, I don't think Cincinnati can pull away from these guys, so give me Temple there. All right, we're moving to the Big 12, and I see a lot of guys in the chat already discussing this. Texas Tech heads to Iowa State, and the Cyclones are a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. The total sits at 47-and-a-half. Jack Trice Stadium is just waiting to erupt for a win here. Ames, Iowa is going to be hopping at 7 p.m. Eastern time on FS1, and I did have uh, Joe jump in in the chat. He said, waiting to hear you guys update which quarterback will start for Texas Tech. Uh, and I, I did respond, and you guys can see it. I basically told him we might as well just flip a coin here um, because it, who knows what's going to happen for Texas Tech. It, Texas Tech did win the matchup last year, 41-38, to 38, uh, on a very long field goal towards the end of the game. Texas Tech is 1-5 straight up and 1-5 against the spread in their last six against Iowa State. So until last year, Iowa State had been on a five-game winning streak and covering streak against Tech. Texas Tech is 0-7-1 against the spread after a straight-up win. That is the position that they find themselves in this week. And Iowa State 8-3-1 against the spread after a straight-up loss, which they, of course, took last week. Parker, I want to start with you here. Uh, Iowa State is 1-6 in their last seven. The quarterback, Decker's uh, less than 70% completion percentage with four touchdowns, six interceptions in the last three games. The run game has just been non-existent for these guys. Uh, number 125 PPA per rush, number 127 success rate, number 127 standard down success, uh, which Texas Tech, by the way, standard down success rate on defense is number 35. Kind of surprised me on that. I, I could talk about Iowa State all day, and that's without even getting to the special team stuff. Uh, what what do you see going on here? Parker, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm here. I thought I had to uh, delay. Um <laughs> Bill Conley just tweeted this out, the ESPN numbers guy, and said that if you took 2022 Iowa State's defense and 2021 Iowa State's offense, where would they rank in SP plus, like the efficiency metric this year? They would be sixth overall. This defense is legitimately good, and this offense is so tragically bad. It's almost like Matt Campbell became Iowa so he could beat Iowa because this offense is just awful. Um, they don't have the caliber. So uh, similar to Cincinnati, like I just said, but much worse, they don't have the caliber of guy at um, at key positions that they need to rely on to run the kind of offense they want to run. They run on. They don't have a, a running back who can even just take advantage of open holes and and create these big plays. Iowa State's run game is 118th in EPA per rush. 
114th in rushing success rate. They're just not even, they're not even doing the bare minimum rushing there. And then they're passing a ton. They're 14th in rush rate or expected negative 10.3 percentage points more than expected uh, that, that they're passing the ball. 55th in EPA per pass, but they're 79th in passing success rate. It's can we hit a big play or not? You saw the Texas game um, that Xavier Hutchinson dropped a ball that would, they would have won the game because their defense kept him in it and their offense just cannot connect there. Um, on the flip side, uh, Tyler Shuck is 5-1 and one as a starter at Texas Tech. Um, he's thrown 82 passes this year. I think there's been some um, diplomacy in starting Baron Morton um, when he was healthy. Uh, but Tyler Shuck is is pretty pretty obviously the best quarterback for what they want to do, especially with the Kitley offense. I think Donovan Smith um, could have an amazing career in the American Conference next year, and uh, is a very fun quarterback. But if, from what they want to do, speed and space, get those guys outside, get to the ball of the playmakers. Tyler Shuck is is um, uh, a pretty decent quarterback to do that if he's healthy. I, I liked what he did last week against Kansas. Um, 75.9% adjusted completion percentage. They only dropped two passes. He had, uh, you know, two big time throws, no turnover worthy plays. And uh, again, if if Shuck can just take out the floor of these like catastrophic, terrible plays for Texas Tech and raise that a little bit, they're competent enough on defense to, to stay in this, especially against a very bad um, offense. Uh, opponent adjusted stats. Iowa State is first in defensive uh, uh, EPA per play. They're 54th in offense. Texas Tech, 29th on offense, 28th on defense, much more balanced. I see no reason why Texas Tech shouldn't be able to stall out this Iowa State offense, keep this game close, um, and 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 cover this three and a half. I think this I think this is going to be. I have this as under two points, uh, just on the straight up numbers, even accounting for home field advantage. I really don't think that Iowa State's offense is going to be able to move the ball, and um, Texas Tech's offense is improving as they have Shuck, as he's getting reps. Remember, he's only thrown 82 passes this week, or sorry, this year. Um, I think that Texas Tech is in a really good spot here to string together a couple decent games against pretty bad opponents. And 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 just like Joey McGuire wanted, in the season on a high note. <laughs> most, most certainly. Uh, Tyler Shuck, how, how crazy that he's now been here for almost two full seasons and is only five and one as a starter. Uh, but that is the way it goes. And Kyle, we're going to move over to you here. Turnover margin, neither of these teams great at uh, holding on to the football. Uh, Iowa State is number 107. Texas Tech is number 100. And penalties, both are okay. Like, both are fairly disciplined. Iowa State number 41. Texas Tech number 49. Um, you start to look at, like, offensive points per game, uh, you know, all the, uh, just defensive points per game, et cetera. Uh, you see Texas Tech number 31 points per game on offense. Iowa State number nine on defense. Iowa State number 107 points per game on offense. Texas Tech number 97. Uh, you you can see where the matchups are in this. You've got a pretty good offense against a pretty good defense. Um, and then you've got a pretty bad offense against a team that gives up points. Right? At Texas Tech's defense, uh, as far as advanced stats, certainly good. But they, they have given up some points. The weather here, Kyle. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys in the chat talking about this. And it looks like when this game kicks off, uh, you've got a... That at a temperature of around 17 degrees uh, with winds out of the west at around 8 to 10 miles per hour. Uh, this seems like, one, a perfect, perfect football weather game. <laughs> but, uh, but what do you see in this? I, I, I think, you know, the colder this is, uh, if Texas Tech wanted to be high-flying, et cetera, I don't know that they'll be able to do that in this kind of spot. What, what do you see here? 
Yeah, I mean, it looks like it'll probably be around 10 degrees by the end of this game. Just crazy. Uh, for this time of the year, very cold. We've had a lot of warm weather, and that ends here this weekend. I think Iowa State has been able to muddy the waters against a bunch of teams and turn them into low-scoring games. I mean, you look at 14-11 against Kansas, 27-13 against Oklahoma, 10-7 against Iowa. I was just seeing if you guys were paying attention on that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, Iowa muddies the game up themselves, obviously. But oh, yes. I have to say, Parker's quote about uh, Matt Campbell became Iowa so he could beat Iowa. I'm really hoping the BetUS crew uh, saves that one and posts that one on Twitter. That was that was definitely <laughs> the quote of the day, for sure. Um, six straight games played to 45 points or lower for Iowa State. Highest uh, combined score in a game all year is 55, which really is pretty remarkable uh, in this league that they haven't had any games higher scoring than that. This Iowa State defense is really good at not giving up big plays. Number two in explosiveness allowed. Well-coached defense, I think, for sure. Texas Tech's offense is good, and I think they'll move the ball. I don't think they'll get as many big plays as they normally have. And the Red Raiders defense, though, I don't think it's a great defense. They're certainly improved from where they were a few years ago. Um, statistically, the uh, Texas Tech defense has been pretty good, especially in success rate allowed. They have given up a lot of big plays, but do I really trust Iowa State to get a lot of big plays? Because to me, I mean, Iowa State's kind of one-dimensional offense, and that dimension isn't really very good. That's the passing attack. So um, Texas Tech has been vic victimized by the big play, but I don't think Iowa State really takes advantage of that. So I'm going to bet the under here in this one. Um, I think this game could be pretty low scoring. I see... Uh, winds during the day of 18 miles per hour. It slows down a bit here in the evening, but I think the wind at the beginning of the game could be a bit of a factor. And I'm going to take the under here in what I expect to be a close, low-scoring game. I like both of them. Hey, we're going to make it official. Parker is going to ride with Texas Tech. Kyle is going to ride the under on this game. I I could totally ride with both of those. I could ride with. I'm not going to make it official on here, but. Those certainly seem to be uh, my my pizza money leans right now, and so because that this seems like the kind of game where you're not going to get a whole lot of separation. There's not going to be a ton of points. It's going to be really really cold. Uh, this yeah seems like that kind of a game. All right, let me remind everybody one: go ahead and like the video. We are nearly up to a hundred, and you guys know that we like to hit that milestone fairly early in the show. So let's go ahead and hit that like button. Along with that, remember the podcast. The BetUS Football Show, make sure that you get it on Apple, Spotify, etc., whatever your favorite podcast app is, and leave a nice five-star review. If you're not already subscribed here on the YouTube, go ahead and do that. That makes it very, very easy. And along with that, you do get something for your subscription. You get to be involved in the chat, which we can see uh, Raphael, uh, Alex, Arbone, Mark, Steve, etc., all these guys already in here. Uh, and they join us every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. It's always a lot of fun. The community is, of course, the best part of this show. You guys make it what it is. Um, let's, uh, let's. oh, yes, and if you haven't already gone back and watched yesterday's show, go ahead and do that. We, we would certainly appreciate that. But after this show, after we get done with the live version of this. So and once you get done here, go back and check out what we talked about yesterday. All right, we're moving along. We're going to move to the Mountain West here. Boise State is a 14-point road favorite at Wyoming. Craig Bowles Bunch, a home dog of two touchdowns now. The total sits at 44.5. Of course, latest number at BetUS. This is 7 p.m. Eastern Time game on CBS Sports Network. And, of course, War Memorial Stadium has been a, a bit of a nightmare for big favorites over the past few years. Wyoming uh, is 8-1 and one against the spread at home against winning teams. 
They are six and two against the spread, five and three straight up as a 10 plus point home dog since 2016. Let me let me reemphasize that. Five and three straight up as a 10 plus point home dog since 2016. These guys know how to win these kind of games. They make them dirty, etc. Kyle, I want to start with you here. Wyoming, their defense gives up one yard less per play at home than they do on the road. And it's not like they're playing easier competition uh, at home. Like it, there, it is still a balanced schedule at home that they've faced. And there are some questions here. Obviously, the quarterback Peasley is day-to-day. He's in uh, the concussion protocol. But I, I like what the, the quarterback Jaden Clemens did last week. He was 7 of 11 passing for 90 yards with one touchdown. And then he ran the ball five times for 32 yards for another touchdown. I mean, he woke up that offense. This team was down 10 to nothing to Colorado State when Peasley went out with an injury in the first half. And Clemens came in, woke him up, got the two touchdowns they needed to get the win. And it was in a look-ahead spot. So this, I, I kind of like Wyoming here, uh, but I'm curious what you think about this. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm still kind of upset with Boise State from a couple weeks ago, to be honest. I mean, what, what was that showing? The Boise State defense has been very good other than against BYU. Um, I still don't know what happened there. This is definitely a good Boise State defense. Wyoming's second in the Mountain West in yards per play allowed. They, they're always feisty defensively with Craig Bowl as their coach. Ball is 34 and 26 against the spread as an underdog. And I have the query pulled up here as we're talking. There's a lot of outright wins in there. I'm just kind of looking down through there. There's definitely a lot of outright wins, like Gary was saying. Um, so if you bet Wyoming here, I think it makes a lot of sense to bet something or to sprinkle a little bit on the money line because I've seen stranger things happen. These two teams are first and second net yards per play margin in Mountain West play. Boise's first at plus 2.83, Wyoming's second at plus 0.88. So you can see there's definitely a big gap, but this spread's pretty big too. I mean, 14 points at Wyoming. Uh, two teams who play slowly, Boise 89th in tempo, Wyoming 124th. Can Wyoming run the football well enough? I think that's really the key to this handicap because I don't expect them to throw the ball around by any means. Um, I don't have a strong feeling on this game, but anytime I, I, I see 14 points in Craig Bowles' team as a home underdog, I'm always going to lean that way, certainly. Um, you know, like I say, uh, Wyoming is a team I'd like to back in a situation like this. Now, the fact that their quarterback's injured, they have several other injuries. Um, you know, Peasley hasn't been amazing by any means, so I don't think that we should make some big downgrade with Peasley being out. Uh, and Craig Bowles teams, like, like Gary said, they've been very feisty, get them at home. You know, they're up for a game like this, certainly. Uh, so 14 points is quite a bit. Well, especially with the fact that Wyoming is still in their division race, as far as the Mountain West is concerned. Uh, this, this bunch is number 13 in PPA uh, margin over the past five weeks, uh, is Wyoming. Now, Boise is number two in that spot. Um, but still, like you would think that you would have less than a 14-point spread between the number two and number 13 PPA margin teams in the country, uh, especially this late in the season, especially on the road. So at number eight in PPA per rush, uh, they were number 21 in stuff rate allowed. Boise State, by the way, is number 130 in that metric on defense. Uh, Titus Wynn has been awesome for them, the running back. I, yes, they've got issues uh, as far as guys that they have lost to injury, but... It, we don't really know like whether or not they're going to play a bunch of these guys are day to day. We'll see how it goes. Uh, they've got a wide receiver out, a cornerback out and a defensive tackle out. And yet I still believe in Wyoming here. Uh, Parker, uh, 
Uh, this Boise offense, since Dirk Cutter took over with the quarterback Green, has just been rolling. The last, uh, excuse me, the last four games, they are nine and a half plus yards per pass attempt. I mean, that is a drastic change in the way that they are uh, attacking defenses. The last five weeks, they're number seven in pass success rate. Wyoming's defense, by the way, is number eight in that metric. Uh, they are number 15 in standard down success rate. Wyoming's defense is number 16 in that metric. So you're going to see a good battle whenever Boise is on offense between a good defense and a good offense. Uh, I'm curious what you think here, Parker. What, what do you see between these two? Okay, first off, I have to point out the 2021 Boise State-Wyoming game. I think, Gary, you and I had that. I, I think Kyle might have been on that, too. We had Wyoming plus 14 on the road. It was 20-7, to 7, and Boise State kicks a field goal with, like, 48 seconds left. Wyoming has not moved the ball at all. They get the ball back and score the most garbage of all garbage touchdowns to cover. Um, it was, like, Friday night at, like, 11.30 p.m. No one saw it, but I remembered that fondly. Um I have actually a bigger gap between these two teams. I, I, uh, Boise State is um, fourth in uh, opponent-adjusted EPA per play, and Wyoming is 41st. This Boise State defense is third in the group of five. Um, overall, pretty pretty solid unit, and their offense is up to 26. So they're certainly going in the right direction. Um, some uh, space to evaluate and re-implement an offense midseason is probably really good for them. Um, doing well. I'm interested to see... They're rushing the ball really a whole lot, and Wyoming's defense has been substantially worse against the rush in the past. So um, I have this as like 12, 12 and a half points um, for Boise State. So I'd be interested in Boise State, uh, excuse me, in Wyoming covering at home, but kind of looking at the tea leaves, adjusting his opponent's stats, I'm a little bit scared that Boise State's going to be able to just physically overpower a Wyoming roster that at the beginning of the season was very thin, has shored up some of that depth with guys getting back, but now we're going to get into depth issues again because into the season we've played a lot. We're getting nicked up. We're getting tired. I think depth will matter, especially if Boise State comes out and runs the ball 50 times, which they very well might do. Um, and so uh, I have a slight lean um, towards towards Wyoming covering at home, but I, I think that Boise State has the stronger unit on both sides of the ball. I could certainly, certainly understand that, but I... I'm going to ride with Wyoming plus the 14 here, regardless of whether Peasley plays or not. Uh, Wyoming, number 16 in giveaways per game. Boise is number 55. Penalties per game. Wyoming, number 8. Boise State, number 46. Uh, ESPN strength of record, which I know is not something that we really need to toss in here, but uh, when you look at the results that these teams have actually had, Wyoming, number 62. Boise State, number 57. Uh, yes, Boise has played really well as of late. Uh, but this, it feels like everything that Wyoming has done throughout this season has gotten them to get to this particular game. I feel like Bowl is going to have a fantastic game plan here. I think they're going to be able to keep this within the 14 for sure. I, I liked it at 12 and a half. I, I still like it at 14, obviously, because I, I think that this is one of those that Wyoming has been kind of kind of waiting around on. You know, they, they've just been hiding in the weeds, just hanging out. Boise going to come in thinking that they're, uh, you know, Boise played a, a cold game last week against Nevada. Um, Nevada, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, we're in Memphis, is Nevada. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I have a feeling about this one. I'm going to ride with Wyoming. Uh, I like the double-digit dog with under 45 for a total. So I, I'm going to make it official. Give me Wyoming plus the 14 here. And that's going to move us. Move us right along to the Big 12. And that's right. You know we couldn't go a full show without discussing Bedlam, especially this week. Oklahoma State heads to Oklahoma, and the Sooners are a seven and a half point home favorite. The total sits at sixty-four and a half. It is 
let's see. Memorial Stadium and, of course, Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, the latest numbers, of course, at BetUS. Oklahoma State won last year in what was Lincoln Riley's last game at Oklahoma, 37-33. to uh, Oklahoma State, however, uh, you just look back over the last 10 games. They are 2-8 and eight straight up, 3-6-1 against the spread in their last 10 against the Sooners. This uh, particular matchup has not been kind to one Mike Gundy. I will certainly say that. Uh, Parker, I want to start with you on this. Oh, is there anything that you can possibly take from Oklahoma State's numbers over the past, you know, four or five weeks that would give you any indication of what they are planning on doing this week? Because I, I have looked at the numbers are awful, uh, but it looks like Spencer Sanders is going to play. And I think that kind of changes everything for this team. What, what do you see? Yes. So I believe Spencer Sanders is going to play. Um, my attitude towards Oklahoma State uh, over their last three games is, it could have been way worse. Um, like the fact that they won that Iowa State game and pulled it out, I think absolutely saved their season because they were looking at, um, you know, just a downward spiral. And look, Kansas State beat the heck out of Baylor. I mean, it's Kansas State's a very good team. There's no shame in just getting stomped in the first half and, and folding. Like that just, that happens to teams against Kansas State this season. Um, and then the KU game, uh, they were, I mean, <laughs> Garrett Wrangle threw for 300 yards. Do I need to say anything else about the Kansas game <laughs> in terms of, uh, what you should take away from that. It's just, just nonsense. Um, uh, overall, I think you definitely have to discount, um, some of those because I mean, I mean, we're not talking about like, Hey, a key player was hurt. We're talking about nine to nine to 11 starters combined on both sides of the ball. We're not in those games. I mean, just, just absolutely back up Spencer Sanders playing through some immense pain. He sat, uh, the last two games for the most part, uh, to try and try and heal up specifically, I believe, for this Bedlam game. Um, and so he'll be back here. The issue that really stands out to me uh, for Oklahoma is that they cannot tackle to save their lives. You go back and you look at the rushing performances that they have allowed. Um, their, their rushing defense is 115th in EPA per play. And if I had the granular data where I could say EPA before contact and after contact, I imagine they'd be leading the country in EPA allowed after contact because they cannot tackle. Um, they're switching between an odd and an even front. They really don't have an identity there in terms of what kind of defense they want to play. And they're just terrible at execution. Um, they're allowing 4.48 points per quality possession. That's a hundred second in the nation. They're allowing 46.22 third and fourth down success rate. That's a hundred sixth in the nation. Um, they, they're just not good on defense and their offense has been good, but inconsistent. Are they going to be able to line up and run Eric Gray? Um, 40 times against Oklahoma state and have a productive day. They're going to have to pass. They're going to have to find Mims in space that West Virginia game last week, a little bit of the weather got to them. And so that's something to keep an eye on this week. But I think the big deal here is it's, it's um, kind of a fun test between a bad unit and an excellent unit or sorry, a, a, a terrible unit and a bad unit. Um, Oklahoma's tackling versus Oklahoma state's rushing. They're 89th in EPA per rush. Oklahoma State is 106th in offensive success rate. Something's got to break. Either Oklahoma is going to tackle them or Oklahoma State's going to run. Uh, and we'll see kind of how what, what breaks in the balance there. But that to me is the defining matchup here um, because this, this Oklahoma State offense has not been able to run the ball all year and Oklahoma has not been able to stop the run for anything. Um, I, I expect Oklahoma to score and win easily. The uncertainty about Oklahoma State's offense is the only thing that's keeping me away from this game. Um, you know, Oklahoma State's for all has bad as bad as Oklahoma's offense is, or excuse me, as bad as Oklahoma's defense is, 
Oklahoma State's defense is worse. So uh, just in the numbers, it's been it's been pretty rough for them this season. I think Dylan Gabriel should be poised to kind of have a big game that people have been looking for him to have the last couple of weeks. But with Sanders playing, who knows how much this uh, Oklahoma State offense can score? Yeah, I, that's the biggest thing for me is Spencer Sanders is back. I think that opens up the running game at least a little bit. One, because obviously he's mobile. So long as he's healthy, uh, that's going to open up a lot of different lanes to get running backs through uh, because the defense will be concerned elsewhere. Uh, but, man, like you said, I look at some of these numbers, and these defenses are just are just bad. I mean, they are they are just not good. Uh, good. Kyle, Oklahoma State is 10-2 and two against the spread in their last 12 on the road. Uh, Oklahoma 0-5 against the spread at home. They're 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games overall, and yet they're giving up over a touchdown here. It, it, something seems weird with this number. However, I mean, Oklahoma has kind of dominated the series, albeit not under this particular head coach, Brent Venables. Uh, what, what do you see between these two? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't love anything about this game, so I'm going to keep my thoughts short here. I know we have uh, plenty of other games where I have a lot of notes, but um, I, these are two are fourth and fifth in tempo in the country. And if you look at their defensive numbers, I don't know why you would want to take an under. I mean, you know, the under would be really scary. I, I've said a lot of times the last couple of days, I kind of like the under. I don't like the under in this game. I kind of like the over. Um, Oklahoma State's defense, I mean, ridiculous. 125 plays of 10 yards or more given up this year. I knew they'd drop off some. I didn't think they'd be this much worse. I know injuries is at least partially to blame, but um, somehow they're, they've allowed 125 plays of 10 yards or more, but they're eighth and third down conversion percentage at 28.85. It's kind of like a riddle. I'm not exactly sure how you could be both of those things, but they are. And they've been uh, good in the short downs. Uh, to me, Oklahoma State probably scores quite a few points with Spencer Sanders if he's relatively healthy here, and I'm confident Oklahoma's going to score. So I don't want to touch a side in this game. There's no way I would bet the side. I lean the over. I think uh, both teams playing that fast. I think there's going to be explosive plays as long as the weather's going to be good. I think um, you know this mid-60s total is probably not high enough. I, I tend to agree. There's not going to be a ton of wind here. I mean, you're looking at maybe getting, you know, between three and five miles per hour wind. Uh, the temperature is going to be kind of cold, but I mean, we're not talking crazy. We're not talking Iowa State cold. Um, looks like it's going to be about 36 degrees at kick, uh, and then it's going to get down to about 30 by the time the ball game ends. So we're not talking anything crazy here as far as weather is concerned. Yeah, if you got two bad defenses and then two capable quarterbacks, uh, Yes, I, I think it could get pointsy, but there is something that just kind of stinks about this line and uh, and maybe this spread. So I'm I'm going to stay away as well. Uh, another another key stat to pay attention to on this: Oklahoma State five and zero this year when they are plus in turnover margin. Uh, they are one and two when they are negative. So just something to toss out there. But no official plays on this one. Uh, I guess trying to figure out the Spencer Sanders situation, although it does look like he's going to play. All right, we'll move along. We're moving to the SEC. And two teams that are coming off of disappointing home losses last week. Ole Miss heads to Arkansas as a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, juiced at minus 115 there. The total sits at 61-and-a-half. Reynolds Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville. Uh, how hyped can you get for this one? 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on SEC Network. Kyle, I want to start with you here. You know, I guess the biggest question is whether or not K.J. Jefferson is healthy. The LSU defense has been 
like really good, especially with Harold Perkins uh, lately, and, and he certainly showed out against both of the Arkansas quarterbacks. But you couldn't really get anything going with either of those quarterbacks. If KJ Jefferson is back, uh, this offense I think is going to be pretty good. But the offense without KJ, uh, I mean, forty to seventeen loss to Mississippi State. They're thirteen to ten loss to LSU. Uh, he was limited in a twenty-one to nineteen loss to Liberty uh, over the past five weeks. With him at quarterback, they're number 18 in PPA per pass, uh, but a 43% pass rate. They don't throw the ball much. That's number 96 in the country. Uh, Kyle, I, I look at this, you know, Ole Miss won a, just a barn burner last year, 52-51. to 51. Uh, it, Ole Miss has not had just a ton of success in covering lines against Arkansas. Uh, what do you see between these two? Well, Gary, I have a question for you first, and then I'll, I'll go forward with my analysis. But first, if we look at last week, Alabama and Ole Miss – so Alabama has 4.6 yards per play last week. Do you think that was more Ole Miss's defense or Alabama's offense? Uh, from what I watched, that was much more Alabama's offense, to yeah, be completely I mean, honest. <laughs> I, I, frankly, you know, I had the over in that game, obviously, and I was I was surprised. I thought Ole Miss's defense would look a lot worse against Alabama's offense than they did. Um, it seems to me like Bryce Young is clearly still not very healthy, uh, missing some throws that he would normally make. I was surprised to see an Ole Miss defense that we know is not really very good slow down Alabama for that long. And Ole Miss oh, as on far offense, as the by the way, the explosive running game for Alabama last week uh, took a big hit in the first quarter when Jameer Gibbs went out with a, a bit of an ankle injury. Now they said that he was available to come back in, but I mean they ran Jace McClellan for nearly a hundred yards, uh, but he he's a different kind of back. So you know that that also maybe played into it just a little bit. Sure. I mean, they were eating up a lot of time on those drives, you know, even even when they scored something and they go down there and kick a field goal. And it's like, oh, man, that was really bad for the over. <laughs> um, you know, can Ole Miss recover from that meltdown against Alabama? I think Lane Kiffin knows how big of a shot. they. I mean, they had a great shot to beat Alabama last week, and that was a huge opportunity missed. I don't think they're going to get better chances than that. Um I thought late in the game they really needed to give it to, to Judkins a couple more times. They got down there really deep in the red zone. And then Judkins didn't touch it um, for that last uh, set of downs. Uh, really surprised. Jackson Dart ended up with a few uh, plays to forget there at the end of the game. Uh, hey, let me really uh, let me jump in here right quick. Uh, so Judkins, Kiffin talked about this in his post-game press conference about uh, Judkins was tired towards the end of the game. And that's kind of what you run into when you're running a guy that much. I mean, they... They have, I mean, and Evans and Evans went out early too. Right? Yeah, so Judkins' load doubled. I I was under the impression he was gas. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the big thing. And and I mean, you try and do that again. He just ran what Judkins ran thirty four times against Texas A and M for like two hundred plus yards. I I mean, how much how much of a load can you really put on a freshman running back? So sorry for interrupting, Kyle. You go you go right ahead. <laughs> well, I guess my point was they ended up with Jackson Dart running right into the line two times right after that, you know, and and there had to be some better play than that. But uh, it certainly hurt that Evans wasn't available because then they can rotate those guys in and out. Um, Jackson Dart played a very questionable game there against Alabama. I think he's so inconsistent. Uh, he can look very good at times. He can also look really bad at times. I still think this old Miss defense is pretty weak. And if you get um, a healthy KJ Jefferson back in there, which by the sounds of things, it sounds like he is playing in this game. The question is, is he 100%? Can Ole Miss get stops? Uh, I'm not terribly convinced of it. Um, I do think the Ole Miss running game is going to get a lot of yards against Arkansas. 
Um, I lean the over here, definitely, but I was burned by an old Miss over last week, and I really don't like betting the same thing the next week unless I really love it after I just lost the week before. I think this is a terrible spot for Ole Miss. Uh, yards per play margin guys are going to be betting Ole Miss here because they're 14th in yards per play margin, Arkansas 77th. Uh, so situationally, I feel like a good, good spot here for Arkansas. I'm going to leave the side here for Parker to talk about, but I would lean the over in this one. I I tend to agree with you. I would lean the over on this because I do think it's going to get pointsy. I think Ole Miss will be able to put up points, uh, but maybe not to the level that we have seen, depending on, of course, Zach Evans and and whatever else is going on there. Uh, but, yeah, situationally, I mean, this it feels like an Arkansas play. This Ole Miss defense is number 121 PPA per drive the last five weeks, number 108 in rushing success allowed, number 112 in passing success allowed. They're number 120 in standard down success allowed. Uh, I don't know that they're going to be able to slow down Arkansas's ground game. Uh, I mean, Arkansas, number 28 in rushing success, uh, they are they're good. Like, this is a good Arkansas team whenever K.J. Jefferson is healthy. You start looking at penalties per game, turnover margin. I mean, all of it's just kind of right there in the middle, right? Both no real advantage for either of these teams. Uh, but man, Parker, when I look at this stat here over the past five weeks, Arkansas is number 15 in points per scoring opportunity. The Ole Miss defense is number 126. Like this is, I don't know that Ole Miss will be able to stop drives that get into their territory. Uh, and Ole Miss, I think, you know, with their fourth down conversion percentage, et cetera, the amount of times that they go for it, uh, sometimes they are more likely to stop themselves than the defense is. So what what do you see between these two teams? Yeah, well, one, I think it's worth noting that Arkansas did a pretty amazing job bottling up Jaden Daniels last week at LSU. It was a very frustrating game plan. And I think that you can watch that game and see Harold Perkins absolutely dominate and forget that Arkansas's defense was actually pretty dominant against a very good LSU uh, offense as well. Jaden Daniels, 86 yards, 5.7 yards per attempt, uh, a 9.6 QBR last week against Arkansas. I think that um, Daniels plays a little bit more chaotic uh, football. And what Arkansas will be able to do this week is make Jackson Dart beat them out of the pocket and and really um, disrupt him without worrying about him necessarily taking off. Um, I don't think he would beat Daniels in a foot race is how I'll put that diplomatically. And so I think that that lowers the burden on Arkansas's defense a little bit. Flip side, Ole Miss, absolutely the spot after Alabama, after a, a big home game where they blew a lead and, and, and should have uh, pulled that out, but they just ran out of legs there. Um, We'll see a lot of rushing here. These teams are pretty closer than I think some standard metrics suggest. Uh, Ole Miss is 24th in EPA per play margin, Arkansas 37th, um, both offensive forward. But you look, this Ole Miss defense is 55th. This Arkansas defense, of which I have a pretty low opinion generally, especially in the pass game, 46th overall. Ole Miss is worse than that. So I think that eases up the pressure on Arkansas, especially with Ole Miss's rushing struggles. Um, I'm going to take Arkansas as a home dog here. I like the spot. I like the rushing ability. Um, and I like that even if KJ Jefferson's not in, they've got some reps for the backup and, and their defense seems to be able to give their offense a little bit longer leash down the stretch in the season here. A motivational spot as well as far as uh, Arkansas still needs another win to get to a bowl game. So mm -hmm. looking for bowl eligibility, kind of a big spot. Ole Miss missed out on their big one last week at home. Uh, yeah, Parker is going to make it official. Arkansas plus the two and a half here. Uh, might want to sprinkle a little on that money line because I, I think they could win this game at home easily. Obviously, field goal spread, I mean, that's kind of a, a toss-up. But regardless, that is the way that Parker's going to roll on this. we got two more games to discuss. 
Let me go ahead and remind everybody, one, like the video. We did break 100, so we certainly appreciate you guys for that. But, uh, but yes, like the video even more because we are trying to reach uh, higher numbers as we go through this. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. It's every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Not next week. Next week, only Tuesday. So I've already mentioned it a couple of times. But, yeah, Thanksgiving week, just a longer show on Tuesday next week. Make sure and jump in the chat. For the Q&A at the end of the show, if you've got any questions, we're going to try and hit as many of those as we can, rapid format style. Um, yeah, it's going to be rapid fire format. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, don't forget, of course, about yesterday's show and the podcast, the BetUS football show. That's the college feed and the NFL feed all put right there together. All right, we got two more games. Let's move to the Pac-12. I think you guys know which ones we're going to discuss here. USC heads to UCLA just right across town. They're heading over to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. 8 p.m. Eastern time on Fox is this one. UCLA won this game last year, 62-33. Uh, to 33. USC is a two-point favorite. The total sits at 75-and-a-half. Latest numbers at BetUS. USC is 5-and-2 straight up in the last seven, 4-and-3 against the spread uh, against UCLA. USC is 2-and-5 against the spread their last seven on the road. Uh, Four and one against the spread against winning teams this year. So they're they're five and one. Uh, excuse me, four and one here uh, against the number. UCLA is four and twelve against the spread in their last sixteen against winning teams. So a little bit of a lean, maybe trend wise, to USC. Uh, guys, Dorian Thompson Robinson has already been talking this week about he's going to put up sixty this week on USC. I found that very interesting uh, after what happened last week against Arizona, uh, but I. I look at this USC defense, and I don't necessarily know that he's wrong here. Uh, Travis Dye, the running back, is out for USC in this game. I think he's out for the rest of the year, uh, per the injury report. So, yeah, yeah USC going to be changing up some things on uh, the running back core as well. Parker, I'm going to start with you here. UCLA last week against Arizona, only three and a half points per scoring opportunity in that 34-28 to loss uh, to the Wildcats. But when you just look overall and take out you know last week's game, just – Focus on the overall numbers. UCLA number one in PPA per rush. Uh, the USC defense is number 115. Uh, UCLA is number three in rushing success. The USC defense is number 122. Standard down PPA. UCLA is number three. USC is number 99. Uh, this is kind of a mismatch. Uh, but really, it's on both sides because USC is doing the exact same thing on the other side. Uh, so long as UCLA runs Zach Charbonnet and, and doesn't try and throw the ball too many times here, this seems like it could get insanely pointsy, and I don't know of a single stop that either one of these defenses can get uh, unless the offense tries to stop themselves, really. What, what do you see between uh, these two, the Trojans and, of course, the Bruins? Well, the offense is stopping themselves is certainly a salient point here. USC has had some of the most absurd turnover luck and just a streak of positive turnover variance that you you think is unsuccessful. And I don't say that just because I'm holding a USC under nine and a half and need them to lose both of these last games for me to look like a genius. But um, I do say that just that seems unsustainable. Um, on UCLA's offense in the rushing game, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that Zach Charbonnet, I hate to be like the, oh, this guy's getting slept on, whatever. I just don't know we're appreciating what Zach Charbonnet is doing in this Chip Kelly offense. 37 runs of 10 plus yards, 44 missed tackles, 4.5 yards after contact per attempt. I mean, he's a legitimately very good running back and very solid for this offense. They are, um, 
third in, in rushing success rate, eighth in passing success rate. I have them as the fourth best offense overall in terms of opponent-adjusted EPA per play. USC's is the sixth. So this is going to come down to the defenses, which is a scary proposition for both of these teams in L.A. because there's not much defense being played. UCLA 38th. USC 59th. We saw what you can do through the air to UCLA's offense, or excuse me, defense last week against Arizona. Um, we we know that USC can be exploited. It's deeply embarrassing that USC gave up 35 points to Cal in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I'm interested to see the balance here. UCLA's passing defense, 90th in EPA per play, 71st in EPA per rush, 99th in points per quality possession, and 103rd in third and fourth down success. They're absolutely going to get scored on. Um, and so then it becomes, you know, what can USC's defense do to, to stop that bleeding and maybe give their offense a chance to outrun UCLA's offense? But yeah, like you said, this rushing game is really, really bad for USC's defense. They're 121st in rushing success rate, 123rd in EPA per rush. And you, most notably, huge discrepancy here, uh, USC is 103rd in early downs EPA allowed. UCLA is fifth, averaging 0.178. So UCLA's um, recipe for victory here is just staying ahead of the chains um, and never never having to deal with third downs at all. They're, they're very explosive on early downs here. Um, should be should be a shootout, which is fun for people who like scoring, not fun for, for people who like five-hour um, Pac-12 games. I would slightly lean towards UCLA here. I'm I'm leaning with you. I don't feel good enough to make it official here. Um, but, man, you look at these points per scoring opportunity numbers, uh, and, Kyle, you know, I'm going to move to you with this one. Number eight in points per scoring opportunity for UCLA. The USC defense is number 131. Uh, that's over the past five weeks, by the way. Uh, number two in points per scoring opportunity is USC. UCLA's defense is number 117. I, I don't feel like anybody's getting stops here. Like, I just, I, I don't trust either one of these defenses, and I think that these two offenses want to put on a show. Remember who these coaches are. This is Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley, both of them known as offensive masterminds. Like, this is going to be crazy, and yet, it's 75 and a half for a total. Uh, this seems like an easy over, but Kyle, I mean, at one, it's a lot of points for one. And two, something crazy always seems to happen in these games where uh, you just, you, you know that it's going to be an over. And maybe this thing ends up hitting a little bit under it, kind of like North Carolina and Wake Forest last week with a total of three points in the fourth quarter when everybody thought that thing was going to get, you know, close to the hundreds. Uh, what, what do you see between these two? Well, I mean, I, I guess I would just caution people to start with that 75 and a half is a really high total. I mean, it's it sounds so easy to take an over in a game like this, but all it takes is one bad quarter, like what you just had in the North Carolina and Wake game, and you lost. I mean, I, I can't take over 75 and a half. I think it's just so high. Also, this is a really big game for both teams. Um, you know, I would rather take a really high over in a game where I thought it was just kind of an experiment. You know, it was going to be fun. Uh, like we talked about uh, with a high total with Charlotte and La Tech earlier. Now that was 10 points lower than this, but I feel like this game is so important to both teams. I'm not excited to bet an over 75 and a half. And in general, I'm not really a conspiracy type guy, but I do have to say, when you look at this one, USC is the last hope for Pac-12 as a playoff team. I think the Pac-12 would like to see USC win this game. So that would caution me away from from my lean, which is UCLA. I, I just don't think I want to pull the trigger here. 
Um, USC plus 17 in turnover margin. Hard to see that consistently. Um, they have only thrown two interceptions, so they've done a good job taking care of the ball. They fumbled the ball seven times and lost only one. DTR has been really good for UCLA on the whole this year, but he does have eight turnover-worthy plays in his last five games. He needs to be careful here because he's up against the ball-hawking secondary for sure. They have 15 interceptions this year. This is a game I would much rather watch than bet. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to watch this game. I, I honestly would probably lean under 75 and a half if I had to take something. And I know the chat's not going to love that. But even saying under 75 and a half, I'll be honest, makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to bet an under here. I just think over 75 and a half is such a high number. I lean UCLA, but I think, uh, you know, if there's a call that goes USC's way at the end of the game, I wouldn't be shocked. So I'm going to pass on this game. I, I love that you're bringing in the Pac-12 refs into the handicapping. <laughs> this is this is fantastic, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's 100% right. Uh, they have had some major issues in uh, in their referee circles uh, this year thus far. Uh, the way that you get to an under, and they've you know there's been several people that have jumped into the uh, the chat here, but the way you can get there is if USC decides to ride uh, Caleb Williams and. Uh, uh, what did I just say? Austin uh, Jones? Is that it? Uh, hold on, I had it pulled up. Uh, yeah, Austin Jones, the running back. And uh, and if, you know, UCLA decides to keep it on the ground as well with Chardonnay and uh, DTR. Like, if they just run the football, obviously the clock keeps running, right? So while the defenses still may not get any stops, you just may not have as many drives as you would think if you don't get a ton of explosive plays. So certainly something to pay attention to. No official play on that one, uh, but we do have leans kind of kind of all over the place. So Kyle leaning USC, maybe uh, Parker is going to ride, uh, or uh, I guess he's going to lean at UCLA and no real lean on the total here because man, this one's going to be nuts. Just nuts. All right, moving along. We got another pack 12 game to hit before we jump into the Q and a let's move to Utah heading to Eugene, Oregon, Austin stadium going to be hopping again because last week it did not exactly go their way. Oregon, a three point home favorite, over the Utah Utes. Utah won this game last year 38-10 to and 38-7. to That's right. They played twice, and it was domination both times. The total sits at 62 on this. Latest numbers at BetUS. These teams are 4-4 four and four straight up and against the spread since 2014. The home team in the last five matchups is 5-0 and against the spread. Uh, obviously, they had a neutral site game for the Pac-12 title game last year. Uh, but this is a big revenge spot for Oregon. Oregon coming off of that last-second loss to Washington. Um, the offensive advantage for Oregon here is their number 12 in uh, PPA per rush. That Utah defense is number 128 over the last five weeks in PPA per rush, but they're only defending the run 34% of the time. Uh, Kyle, I want to start with you here. Utah has won four straight since that loss at UCLA. The defensive splits are kind of weird here, but, you know, Cam Rising plays better at home than he does on the road, which uh, there's a lot of players that do that. But this, I mean, night game, late, in Austin, this seems like a tricky, tricky spot for Utah, and yet we don't really know what the injury situation is for Oregon and Bo Nix either. Uh, how how would you look at this one from a handicapping standpoint? Well, Oregon really blew a, a chance last week. I mean, they had a really good chance here, and uh, situationally, I could I think it's kind of a dangerous spot for Oregon because their bubble kind of burst last week as far as a playoff team, at least. Um, you can see some teams have bad performances in that next game. They do have some injury question marks. 
I think Whittingham's a great coach. I'm always looking for reasons to bet on the Utes. Um, but you look at the numbers, and it's kind of hard to bet the Utes here in this one. Oregon's first in Pac-12 net yards per play margin, plus 1.69. Utah's seventh, plus 0.04. So Utah's numbers are really not terribly impressive. Oregon is first in the nation, having allowed only two sacks. Fantastic offensive line. Utah, 29 sacks. I like these strength-on-strength matchups, so let's see who wins out on that one uh, with the pass rush against the uh, pass protection. Um, Before diving into this game, I was inclined to think that Utah would probably have the better defense, um, but they haven't really shown it in Pac-12 play, and this Utah defense has been far worse. We've talked about this before, guys. Um, I expected much better out of the Utah defense than what we've gotten. They've allowed 6.28 yards per play in Pac-12 play. Um, Oregon is first in the nation in success rate. Um, Utah's ninth. So we have two offenses that are likely to have success again. I mean, I don't think anybody um, could predict the defense is looking terribly good. Now, the injury situation makes me shy away from this a bit, but I'm inclined to think the over is a decent play in this one. Um, Shootout, definitely possible. Whittingham's 33-22 and against the spread as an underdog. I usually would want to bet the Utes. Um, I just don't have quite enough confidence, so I'm going to pass on the side. My strongest lean would be the over here. I yeah the over certainly does make sense with as bad as these two defenses are for sure. Uh, Parker, I've I've got to talk to you about these defensive splits for Utah here. Uh, they're number 44 in PPA per pass defense over the last five weeks, and yet teams are passing the ball 66% of the time against them. They're number 128 PPA per rush, but teams are only rushing 34% of the time here uh, over the past five weeks. I. I look at this, and is it just that Utah has gotten up on a few teams and it's really skewed the numbers? Or, you know, are we maybe seeing something where Oregon could take advantage of, you know, maybe a, a poor rushing defense from Utah, which is something that we are definitely not used to seeing? Yeah, I think especially with the um, the injury issues on Oregon and the uncertainty there, I think, I, I mean, full disclosure, I want to I bet Oregon here, but I can't give that out with Bonex being hurt. So I would say I'm leaning Oregon pretty strongly. If you get confirmation that Bonex is healthy, go go get it quick. But um, especially if you can get it three, three and a half. But uh, I, yeah, this, this, Oregon, this Utah defense, 97th of EPA per rush, 122nd in rushing success rate allowed. Um, and Oregon has been very balanced. They're 75th in rush rate over expected, first in EPA per rush, first in rushing success rate. They can move the ball consistently on the ground if they need to. They want to take the ball out of Ty Thompson's hands if he's going to be the one that's playing. Um, but of course, if he does play, then there's kind of the general equilibrium of then does Utah secondary know they're not going to be tested as much and uh, can they shore up the run game and dare Ty Thompson to beat them? So there is a little bit of gamesmanship there, especially with the injury. Um, but again, we, we know this Oregon offense can score at will. The big issue last week was that um, Washington was able to, um, one, got a key turnover, two, was able to um, finish drives really, really well. Oregon is 96th in points per quality possession um, on, on defense. And, uh, and Utah has been a little bit better uh, about that, but I think that they're not getting those big explosive plays. They're creating a ton of quality opportunities, seventh in quality possession rate, 23rd in points per quality possession. So if, if Oregon can kind of avoid the chunk play that Utah has not necessarily found reliably, I think that they should be able to stymie this, this um, uh, Utah offense enough to separate. Um, but again, the injury is, is so glaring that if, if, if Bo Nix is out, I'm not sure I would bet this game. I am in the exact same boat. Uh, transparency 
both of us, uh, Parker and myself, we're both going to ride with Oregon on this. And, uh, and yeah, I don't feel quite as good about giving that out, knowing that there are a lot of questions around that offensive line and Bo Nix, of course, the quarterback, possibly being out here. Uh, interesting stat from Larry Pilgrim in the chat. He said, teams at home losing the week before as double-digit favorites when facing a top 25 team at home the next week are 0-9 straight up over the last 30 years. Um, and it appears that that stat is correct. I was trying to look it up, and yeah, it, it looks like looks like that is the case. So, yeah, uh, definitely not good uh, <laughs> as far as Oregon and UCLA are concerned when you've got those kind of trends going against you. But uh, you never know with this crazy sport. Every Saturday night is going to give you something different. So uh, the lean, if Bo Nix is playing, is to Oregon, and you can watch uh, – Parker's Twitter account and my Twitter account as we get closer to the ball game to make sure whether or not we are going to ride with that thing. But as it sits right now, no official play on that one. All right, we're going to move into the Q&A. Before we do that, let's go ahead and tell you guys about the Thanksgiving scavenger hunt that is going on at BetUS. BetUS is offering two BetUS members turkey feasts with all the trimmings. Here at BetUS, we're thankful to all our customers, new and old, and as such, we'd like to offer you a chance to win turkey feasts via scavenger hunt that starts on Saturday, 12th November. So head on over to BetUS underscore official Twitter handle for more info on how to participate. All right, let's jump into Q&A, and we've got quite a few tossed in here. Um, we do have a question from Alex about uh, SMU and Tulane, and I believe that we talked about that one yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, so you can go back to the Q&A from yesterday's show and uh, check out our thoughts on that. Many Face Guide jumped in and said, what is the best place to get meaningful injury reports? In college football, there's really not one. Um, if you want to know the honest truth, uh, stay updated on Twitter. Go follow Beat Writers and whatnot, and they will give you the most up-to-date information. That is really where you're going to find it. So uh, that would be what I would recommend. It, Parker, Kyle, y'all got a y'all got another method here. Did every every week I say it? I just put it in the chat again. There's that account that aggregates it. Um, yeah. I just posted the link in the chat. Go go follow them. There you go. There you go. Uh, Heath Harrelson jumps in. Oh yeah. Hey, it's Mac time. I'm glad he reminded us. All right, we've got <clears> Mac stuff. First off, odds boosts. Uh, BetUS has got odds boosts you can find uh, towards the end of the page uh, over at the sportsbook there. Uh, you click on odds boost, and it's going to tell you what they've got for the day's action. The odds boosts for today, Kent State to score more than 7.5 points in the first quarter against Eastern Michigan. It was plus 110. It is now plus 160. So if you think Kent State is going to score more than a touchdown or a touchdown and a two-point conversion in the first quarter, you can do plus 160 on that one. Along with that, Central Michigan to win the game and the game total going under 49.5 points. It was plus 140. It's now up to plus 185. So if you want to take advantage of those, you can do so over at BetUS. Also, uh, there's a link in the description. You can check out the Thanksgiving stuff. If you've not already signed up at BetUS, you can get hooked up over there. Sign up with a $50 free play. Make sure you take advantage of that. It should be in the description. All right, moving to the MAC games for the evening. Uh, we are going to start off with da, 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 Eastern Michigan and Kent State. All right, Kyle, let's talk about this. Uh, Kent State is a team that will drive you crazy if you let them. They are a 7.5-point favorite. Uh, it's minus 105 
on that side. Uh, the total sits at 60. This is my numbers like Eastern Michigan here. Um, but I don't know if I like Eastern Michigan here because uh, Kent State kind of kind of found it last week, and and I don't know that they slow down anytime soon. I, I just I, I think that this team can really open up that offense. And Eastern Michigan, uh, I mean, there's questions, right? They they play like these kind of under ball games, really low scoring, et cetera. But I, I like Chris Creighton. I like what he's doing. But seven and a half feels very finicky uh it was at seven for a couple of days it's now jumped to seven and a half a lot of people on kent state it would appear uh, what do you see here kyle i would bet eastern michigan if i was betting this game um you know kent state's been really inconsistent not very reliable this year creighton uh his team's done really well as an underdog 35 and 20 as a three-point dog or bigger it seems like every eastern michigan game is a pretty close ugly game so that, that's what i'm going to go with here uh, my number is, uh, is seven. So I, th- I think uh, Eastern Michigan getting that extra hook um, in what, uh, you know, Maction, we've seen all kinds of craziness. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it here. Um, no lean on the total, but I, I kind of like Eastern Michigan. Yeah, the numbers that I've had are, are not very reliable when it comes to Maction, especially the the weeknight Maction games. So I I look at them and I'm just, yeah, because my number was closer to five on this, and I, I just – don't have the value, but I can understand where you're coming from uh, because I can I can trust Chris Creighton. I can certainly do that. Parker, uh, how do you feel about this? I mean, the total is 60. Uh, Eastern Michigan can sometimes muddy these things up, and I mean, Kent State, if they really get rolling, I mean, they can put a ton of points on the board. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Both of these games, I'm like decimal places off the line, so you know, crack a beer and bet on the underdog and have fun tonight, I guess. Uh, I have this as 7.7. Uh, um, uh, I guess yeah, so so I would be slightly inclined towards Eastern Michigan. Their their rushing offense has been at least competent, um, but yeah, both of these defenses are real real bad. Um, and and with my number being this close, I'd be inclined towards the underdog. Yeah, yeah, I could understand that. All right, so uh, some leans towards the dog here with Eastern Michigan on that one. Moving along, uh, Western Michigan heading to Central Michigan. Western Michigan, a ten and a half point road dog here. The total sits at forty nine and a half. Uh, this Broncos team has not been great, uh, and that might be putting it incredibly mildly. However, Central Michigan has not been great either. They found a new quarterback last week, and it kind of got that offense rolling. Uh, Kyle, you know, the total sits at 49.5. These are two teams that the offense has not exactly done a whole lot this year. Uh, it feels like an under, and yet we know with Maxion, when you think you're going to get an under, yeah, you could probably expect about 40, 50 points from each, right? So what, what do you see here? I mean, I lean the under, but you're talking 49 or 49 and a half in a MAC game. I'm not excited to bet an under, that's for sure. Uh, Western Michigan's really bad. I mean, they're a very bad team. Central Michigan laying the points, I guess, is my lean. But who really wants to lay that many points here? I think this is my least favorite of the three games in the MAC tonight. I tend to agree. I like I like the coaches here, but eh, I mean, they have not shown a whole lot this year. Parker, uh, what do your numbers say on this one? I have Western covering by, let me see this. I'm doing decimal math in my head looking at this. I have Western <laughs> Michigan as like eight eight points under, uh, losing by eight points. So that would technically be betting them as the underdog. I have 
Only 44 total points projected. Uh, so, of course, your dis- disclaimer for unders and, and matching are, are, are certainly applicable here. But I just, I mean, Western Michigan's real bad. They're just very bad right now. Um, I did see that Caleb Elby got drafted by the XFL. That's fun. The uh, Western Michigan yep. quarterback from last year who was very good. And uh, that makes their disappointment this year all the greater. But um, I'm just not sure Central Michigan's offense can do what I wanted them to do at the beginning of the season. I've been super underwhelmed by them. I don't see how they could separate by double digits um, just generally. So I would say under and um, Western Michigan. But, you know, it's uh, it's action. You just got to you just got to go with the vibes sometimes. Hey, speaking of going with the vibes, Parker, I want to start with you on this last one here. Uh, Miami of Ohio heads to Northern Illinois. Again, we're trying to figure out the Rocky Lombardi situation. I would imagine uh, Northern Illinois is a one-point favorite at home. The total sits at 45-and-a-half on this one. Again, low-point total, but who knows what to think here. Uh, I guess the more that Gabbert gets uh, acclimated to being back, the less rusty he's going to be. If I had to lean a certain way, I would go with Miami of Ohio, but I I don't know how much I trust the Red Hawks team. I, I like Chuck Martin. I like what he's doing, and I like Gabbard at quarterback, but I, man, this thing is so tight, and I don't know what to expect out of Thomas Hammock's bunch right now. So, Parker, which uh, which way are you looking for this one? Have we talked about on this show how Rocky Lombardi's coming back for another year? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we did that last week. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is very, very fun, good for him. Um, yeah, I have Northern Illinois by about two and a half points here. I like to basically toss up, and then Northern Illinois has home field advantage, more or less. Um, their offense with Lombardi should be able to move against this um, this defense. Miami's defense has been relatively better. They're um, 52nd in unadjusted opponent, uh, unopponent adjusted EPA per play uh, relative to 124th on offense. So any marginal gains on offense should should really raise their floor a lot. If Lombardi's out, I never want to bet on Northern Illinois. And so it kind of depends on what his situation is. But this offense for, for Northern Illinois is 49th in EPA per play. I feel like I could trust them at home with Lombardi here to cover the spread. And Kyle, what do you what do you see in this? Uh, I'm I'm looking up the weather report on it because it, you know the total of 45 and a half. I guess I can, I guess I could understand it uh, between these two offenses, but yeah, you know this. I, 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 you could talk me into either side on this. What what do you see here? I don't really want to talk anybody into anything on this one either. I mean, um, <laughs> I looked back last week and I was like, wow, Northern Illinois finally won a game without Rocky Lombardi. So maybe they got some decent quarterback play. And then I look and see Nevin Krimiskoli. Sorry if I pronounced the name wrong. Uh, three interceptions, 17 attempts. It was the running game that won them the game there. And the defense, I guess, better than normal too. But they were also playing against Western Michigan. So uh, I think Miami of Ohio has a good defense, at least by max standards. Uh, that would be my lean in this game if if we're assuming that uh, Lombardi is out. Uh, it would surprise me a little bit if he came back here, but I have no information on that. I would wait till last second to see if you can. And uh, again, not a game I'd really want to bet that much. Uh, the forecast is 29 degrees at kick, nine mile per hour winds uh, out of the west. So... Yeah, probably not going to be great for passing the ball. And if this thing's going to be handled on the ground, that would certainly lead to uh, a Red Hawks advantage, I would say. All right, let's get into some of these questions. We're going to go rapid fire style. Heath Harrelson jumps in. How do we feel about Buffalo and Akron? Oh, uh, Kyle, would you like this one? Uh, Sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> Go ahead. I I don't know what to think of Akron anymore. Like I, you guys know that I love Coach Moorhead, um, and and I think that that's uh, a coaching advantage. Uh, and I'm not going to say a mismatch because Maurice Lingus has done some really good things this year. Um, Buffalo's still in it for the division, right? So, you know, hey, go go ahead and tell me, Kyle. Snow, a lot of snow in Buffalo this weekend, quite a bit of wind. We've seen this total just absolutely crater. Um, I believe this was in the mid-50s or so, and now we're at 47. It makes sense to me. I should have bet the under earlier. Um, it's hard because these these lines are moving earlier and earlier on these weather reports compared to what they used to. You used to be able to wait till Wednesday or Thursday. Now it moves Monday night. Um, I, I still would lean the under if that weather report is correct. I mean, that kind of wind and snow going on, it's, it's hard to score points. Buffalo's defense has improved. Um, but also, if you have that kind of weather, it's hard to not lean getting two touchdowns. So I, I kind of like both there in that game. I could you could correlate those things together. I like sure. it. Uh, let's see. LSU is uh, here. We go. Joe Blow jumps in. LSU covering that fourteen and a half. Gary, uh, I will go on and tell you. I went ahead and pulled it up. I have LSU minus fourteen point three eight. Uh, so I ain't touching that. LSU has already wrapped up the SEC West. Uh, yes, the game is in Tiger Stadium. I get that. Uh, LSU does have Texas A&M. That is a rivalry game that was you know manufactured, but has actually turned into quite a bit of uh, vitriol on both sides there. I, I, I don't I don't think that this one matters all that much to LSU. Uh, they might want to get that taste out of their mouth from how bad the offense played last week, but I don't anticipate Jaden Daniels playing an entire ball game. Uh, I don't – like Harold Perkins is probably going to play like the first half, and they're going to try and get some guys healthy. I, I'm not playing this one. I ain't touching it. If I had to lean away, I might would go UAB just based on motivation alone. Uh, because LSU only cares about winning the SEC right now. They do not care about UAB. Uh, UAB on the other side, this would be a huge win for Brian Vincent. So uh, who knows? Who knows what to happen there? Uh, Heath Harrelson jumps in Q&A for Parker. Do you consider UNLV versus Hawaii a sicko game? Uh, I'll answer, yeah. Uh, but also, Parker, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know if I – I don't have a, I don't have an advanced degree in psychology, but um, I'd leave that to the committee on Twitter. But, um, I mean, I'm projecting um, 45 points on a game that's going to start, you know, 9 p.m. on Saturday night. Um, two really, really bad offenses. This is offense number 95 and uh, for UNLV and 97 for Hawaii. UNLV, maybe I'm calling this not a sicko game because I'm kind of sad about UNLV because they were fun to start the season and then just petered out legitimately. I think they should win pretty handily um, just because they have, you know, one or two actual real football players as opposed to what Hawaii is putting on the field right now. Um, And I certainly wouldn't want to bet Hawaii plus 11. I have this as like UNLV by eight. Um, So I don't know that I have a strong play on it. Um, And I, but, but, you know, late night Saturday football, uh, just remember, when you're tempted to go to bed, um, just just a few short weeks, there's not going to be a 9 p.m. football game. So savor it while you have it. This is true. This is true. Hawaii, by the way, uh, since they made that quarterback change, they have been covering machines at home, uh, especially as double-digit dogs. So just something to pay attention to there. Uh, we do have a question here for Kyle. Uh, let's say I've got a strong lean on the over for Syracuse and Wake Forest. Uh, what is your thoughts, Kyle? I'm trying to look and see what that number is here right now. I am. Let's see. Wake is 
Uh, let's see. Wake favored by 10, total of 55. 55. Yeah, I mean, a total of 55 in a Wake game, I would certainly lean the over. Syracuse has had quite a few injuries on defense. The question is, how many can Syracuse score? I mean, because their offense has plenty of problems right now, too. Um, lean to the over. I won't bet it personally, though. Yeah, that's, I, I tend to agree with you on this. Arbone jumps in. Please drop some knowledge on Houston ECU. Parker, Dana Holgerson drives me insane. I refuse to bet on this game after what happened against SMU a couple of weeks ago, but I, I don't know what happened to this team. Um, East Carolina, like Mike Houston has done some really, really good things uh, with that bunch, and Holton Aylers has been playing kind of out of his mind on offense. It, this seems, I mean, it, I think the spread was six and a half. It may be at five and a half now, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, but this, I hear it's, it's back at six. I think East Carolina can have a lot of success against this Houston defense. Uh, the total is at 67 on this. Parker, what, what do you think here? Dude, Dana just doesn't care, man. He just doesn't care what your expectations are. He doesn't even care about what he's doing today. Like, I just, I mean, you can just see it so obviously, like, did they prepare well or did they not? And it's pretty, pretty clear. Um, Gary, there was a time where Houston was bragging about how they would fire someone for eight and five. Um, and uh, we're looking that straight in the face, not to advocate for anyone uh, gaining or losing a job there. But Houston's talented on offense. Their defense has just really fallen off without playmakers. I mean, you lose a dominant edge rusher and a dominant cornerback, and it's hard to kind of rebuild those redundancies. Um, I, I like ECU at home. I, I think that uh, East Carolina's home field advantage has become something very real, which is fun. Um, that kind of remind me of the like like early 2000s Southern Miss that was just kind of like a hating team. Like they would, you're just they're just unpleasant to be um, to be there and have to play them. And ECU is absolutely embracing that this season. Um, I have I think ECU should be able to win this outright uh, with Houston's defense. Um, seven points is too much for me. And so then it goes to, hey, can I divine whether Dana Holgerson has prepped the team? well for this road game and i i don't know that i have a strong lean on whether that'll happen that's that's the biggest question is is houston going to turn the ball over uh, because it's not like smu really stopped houston on offense um houston's offense was moving the ball up and down on smu it, it could kind of be the same thing here i think east carolina's got a little bit better defense than smu did it's it just feels like too many points. Like six just feels like too much. If I had to lean away, I would go Houston. But man, that one's rough. Uh, Kyle, we've got a question from Bruce. He said, uh, "Can Ohio State cover this week? And how many running backs are ready to play?" I feel like you would know on this. So Ohio State is a 27-point road favorite uh, at Maryland, and the total sits at 64 on this one. Um, I, I think Ohio State really short. Uh, on depth at running back at this point. I know they even transferred some guys over from the defense and then they got hurt that we're going to be back up running backs. Uh, I think Travion Henderson's probably getting saved up for the Michigan game, in my opinion. And um, Mayan Williams, I, there hasn't really been a good update on him. I think that they will probably try to get away with using the fewest amount of those running backs that they possibly can this week. Probably works against Maryland. Maryland's defense isn't likely to be able to stop the the passing game of Ohio State. I think I lean to the over in that game, thinking Maryland might be able to get some points on their own. The tempo will be pretty quick. Yeah, Maryland loves to uh, to go quick on on that. Speaking of going quick, let's try and go quick through the rest of some of these. Uh, Yari B jumps in, uh, wants to know about the Big Ten. Uh, let's do let's do this one. Nebraska plus thirteen at home against Wisconsin. Uh, Parker, what what do you see on this one? 
I'm not quick on the draw. Sorry. Here we go. Pull out the number. Good. I have um, I have this is closer to like a seven and a half, eight point game. I think Wisconsin's underport underperformed my projections pretty consistently and kind of had a dead cat bounce when when Leonard took over and uh, we're doing a little better. Um, I again, I don't advise betting on Nebraska, but I feel more comfortable betting them a two score lead or them them with two scores at home than I do on Wisconsin to cover on the road. Uh, James S. jumps in. He said, question on the Virginia and Coastal Carolina game uh, that was canceled this weekend. Are they going to postpone it, or is it a forfeit? No, it is a cancellation that basically means that both of those win totals uh, for this year are going to be canceled out. It'll be much the same way that the uh, San Jose State and New Mexico State game that was uh, that was originally postponed, but is, uh, from all intents and purposes, going to be canceled. That means that your win total bets on those are going to... At, at most books, uh, it's going to be canceled. Like your, your play, you're just going to get your money back. So um, the Flying Hawaiian would love to hear about uh, UT and South Carolina in the Q&A. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about Tennessee here? Um, they are 20 and a half point favorites or no, no, no. I think, it's, I think it was 21. I thought I saw that thing move back. Uh, I am seeing now, latest update. Nope, uh, Tennessee by 22 on the road with a total of 66 here. What do you think about Beamer's bunch and, uh, and Heupel running it up last week? Yeah, I was hoping it was down to 20 and a half because then I was going <laughs> to consider betting it. Um, Tennessee is happy to run up the score. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting what they did at the end of last game. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the same. I think they know they need margins. So they need the style points, quote unquote. Um, South Carolina's defense, do you really trust them to stop Tennessee? I certainly don't. I wouldn't want to bet South Carolina. Can South Carolina score enough to get us to an over? That's kind of my question, because I wouldn't bet the under, that's for sure. Um, definitely lean Tennessee here in this one. I would think that Tennessee might be able to get to that over by themselves, to be completely yeah, honest. But uh, let's see. Scott Young wants to know about Florida International and UTEP. Uh, Parker, that is... That's an interesting ball game. FIU has surprised. Now, obviously, FAU uh, got the win last week against them, but FIU can be a little feisty sometimes. I, I'm not sure what to make of that one. Uh, the latest line on this is UTEP by 14 at home with a total of 51. You got thoughts here? I mean, the only angle I would have on this is that FIU on the road is not as good, and going to UTEP is a profoundly weird experience, as Boise State can attest to. Um, and so if you want to ride with UTEP at home, I would understand that. I have this as closer to like a seven and a half point game, but it's not like I trust FIU to be a consistent team on the road here. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Uh, going on the road, uh, especially the UTEP is is strange. Um, let's see. Kent Westmoreland wants to know about Florida International and Middle Tennessee. I think Chase Cunningham is still out for middle. Um, I Kyle, do you have like any kind of a number on this one. Uh, I'm seeing Florida Atlantic is a six-point road favorite uh, with a total of 51. Florida Atlantic's been terrible on the road, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to bet Middle Tennessee, but do I want to trust Florida Atlantic on the road laying six points? I really don't. Um, I would play the over if Cunningham was healthy, but without him, that offense looked really weak. I mean, if you can't score much on Charlotte, uh, I think this is a good pass. Yeah, this like if if we do hear like that maybe Cunningham makes a surprise recovery and he's back or whatever it is because I'm not quite sure what the injury is. Uh, my number on it is Florida Atlantic by one and a half. Uh, so I mean you're looking at a lot of value as far as the quarterback being out, but ugh. 
Uh, DDB jumps in. He said, uh, I early bet Iowa plus three is the wrong team still favored. Uh, let's see what the Floyd of Rosedale line is right now. And we are looking at, yeah, Minnesota favored by three at home, juiced at minus 105 with a total of 32 and a half. Parker, what are we looking at as far as the fight and PJ flex here? I have this total going over because you can't possibly model this total going under, but um, I I have this as like a two and a half point game for Minnesota. Like I'd be inclined to bet Iowa here. I have this effectively as a toss up, some slight slight home field advantage to Minnesota, and then you basically just take all the special teams variants and attribute it to Iowa. And that's a recipe for Minnesota to lose this game. Um, Minnesota's offense seems like they're very easily disrupted. And um, although their defense has been pretty okay, I still think Iowa's gotten a little better the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm, I would say my, my only lean in this game would be Iowa. I, I could I could certainly side with that. Uh, Iowa has been playing a little bit better as of late. That offense has, eh, you know, gotten at least their signs of life. We got that. Uh, we did a wellness check. It looks like there's at least people in the building. Uh, let's do one more right quick uh, because we are going we are going long today. Arbone wants to know, Kyle, where is the midshipman breakdown? What aren't you telling us? Uh, Navy is a 16.5-point dog at Central Florida this weekend. The total sits at 53 on this. How do you feel, Kyle? Well, I, I always lean Navy with that big of a number. We've seen Navy many times keep fighting all the way to the end of the game. Um, they can get those last-second backdoor covers. They've done it uh, for the show here. Uh, I think that uh, UCF is an inconsistent enough team that I would definitely lean Navy plus the points. Um, I joked with the chat earlier, I considered wearing an Iowa hat so that the people in the chat had to bet on Iowa and watch that game, but <laughs> decided to go with the Navy one instead. Um, I don't trust UCF enough to be laying this kind of a number. Uh, I think UCF has been so inconsistent. Uh, I know what I'll get out of Navy, and that'll be at least good effort. So I think plus the points there is a pretty good lean. I, I like the direction you're going there. I've got so my three different models have all got UCF by more than the 16 there. But I think that the the spot is baked in because this is certainly a letdown spot after UCF went on the road and got a, a big top 20 win over Tulane last week. Um, coming back home, like Navy always fights, just like you said, Kyle. Uh, let's do, you know, let's do one more. Da, 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 da. Oh, no, no, no. We, we, I'm seeing multiple questions about Iowa, Minnesota and about UCF and Navy. So I think we hit what we were supposed to. This is good. This is good. All right. Go and check out the Thanksgiving Day uh, scavenger hunt situation that's going on. <laughs> There's a better way for me to sell that, I swear to you. Uh, but regardless, go and check that out. Of course, it's a link in the description. Let's go ahead and hit the picks recap and tell you guys exactly what our best bets are for today's show. Uh, Parker, let's get you to start us off. Uh, I'm going to ride with Texas Tech uh, plus 3.5 and, and Arkansas plus 2.5 this week. A couple, uh, couple of dogs couple of short dogs. I, I like it. I like it. I'm going to ride with some of the bigger dogs here. I'm going to take Temple plus 17 at home against Cincinnati, and I'm going to take Wyoming uh, plus 14 against Boise State uh, there at home. Kyle, what have you got for us? I'm going to take Louisiana Tech and Charlotte over 65 and Texas Tech and Iowa State under 47 and a half. 
Excellent. All right. Everybody in the chat, of course, everybody that's watching, go ahead and jump in the comments. We would love to hear your picks on the weekend. Uh, try and sell us on some stuff. Maybe there's some things out there that we have not actually looked at that, uh, that maybe we just missed. So you try and sell us on your picks. We would love to hear them. Uh, you've already got ours. Let's, uh, let's trade these things. Uh, like the video for us if you've not done so already. Again, that helps us out algorithmically. So go ahead and do that. Subscribe to the channel if you've not done so as well. That gets you into our live chat each and every week. Remember, next week, only a Tuesday show. 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be a little bit longer, uh, much like this one was a little bit longer, of course. Uh, it feels like they get longer every week, but, man, we have a good time doing this. So, uh, the podcast as well, the BetUS Football Show, that is the college and NFL feeds put together on one podcast. You can get that anywhere that you get your podcast. Please leave a nice five-star review. And with that, let's see. Oh, odds boosts, of course. Don't forget the odds boosts over at BetUS. And make sure that you sign up and get that $50 free play if you have not done so already. Gentlemen, that is going to wrap this thing up. I feel like we talked about every game possible over the last two days. So let's get out of here. For BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we'll see you all again next week.